Legislative combat and betrayal. Welcome to the Texas Take, the number one political podcast in the great state. I'm Scott Braddock, editor at quorumreport.com, and with me as always to help us sort out this crazy week in Texas political news, Jeremy Wallace at HoustonChronicle.com. Are you bleary-eyed as I am, sir? Oh, man, what a rough, you know, I would say four days, but I would just say, what a rough night. <laughs> yes, right. I think I left the Texas Capitol at about... 3.30 this morning uh, here on Friday, uh, the day started on Thursday as the uh, omnibus elections bill was being debated in the Texas House. And we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, significant updates to tell you about on that. But it really was just a week of nasty fights. And let me set the tone for that. We have talked here about the fact that Texas Republicans have prioritized uh, the idea of defending the police rather than defunding the police, which was a big issue in the campaigns last year. Um, And the bill to do this, to defend police, was on the Texas House floor this week. It's being carried by a guy named Craig Goldman, a representative from Fort Worth. And the debate that breaks out between him and a state representative from Dallas is really illustrative. It tells you a lot about what this week was like. Um, Jasmine Crockett represents uh, parts of South Dallas County, and she was very upset about this idea that state government would be micromanaging what the city of Dallas does. And did you you notice this, Jeremy, in the bill? uh, Republican leadership is targeting the biggest cities. Yep. Right? The little cities. Definitely carve out. Yes. The rural uh, towns out there, they must all do a perfect job with their police budgets. But it's Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Austin. Those are the ones that are doing it horribly in the estimation of the Republicans. Um, Listen to Crockett. She just lights up Goldman about some of the specifics that have happened in the city of Dallas where they have, you know, had some serious issues when it comes to policing and having enough police on the force and all of that. Listen. You brought up my city as well as my district. So I felt compelled to get over here in my kitten heels and have a quick conversation. You just talked about the fact that the city of Dallas needed help from DPS, correct? That is my understanding, yes, ma'am. Okay, and that wasn't because at that point in time the city of Dallas didn't have funds to have officers. It was the fact that people were not applying to work at Dallas PD, is that correct? I I will have the city of Dallas defend the reason they requested DPS officers from the state to come into their city. Okay, but let's talk about this. When DPS left my district, do you know why DPS left? No, I do not. So you're unaware of the fact that there was a DPS officer that shot yet another unarmed black man. You're, you're unaware of that. Uh, I'm not aware why DPS left your district, okay. Ms. Crockett. So, so, so here's the issue. We've not addressed the elephant in the room. This summer, we saw a protest in the streets. We also saw elected officials that decided to make decisions because of police brutality. But for whatever reason, we still haven't seen Ms. T's bill on this floor. We've not dealt with the George Floyd Act. We refuse to improve policing in this state. Instead, we attack those that are trying to take care of their citizens. How does that make sense? You're saying your cities didn't do this, but mine did. And guess what? Every single one of those city councilmen that decided to make whatever decisions about their budget 
They all got reelected on Saturday. Every single one of them, not one of them lost, no matter how many people put out mailers against them. So let me be clear. You should let my elected officials decide what to do in my city because, sadly enough, plenty of people haven't been to South Dallas where black people are afraid most of the time because they don't know if they're going to get killed. And instead of us doing something to protect people in this state, we decide to punish, punish people who are already suffering. That is what's wrong in this house. That's Democrat uh, Jasmine Crockett from Dallas uh, taking on Craig Goldman there over this issue of defunding police versus defending police and micromanaging these uh, local uh, police budgets. I think that bill is going to pass. There are the numbers uh, to get that done and get it on to uh, Governor Abbott. Uh, I think they may still have some details to work out between the House and Senate on all that uh, competing bills on on, on that, Jeremy. Uh, But the emotions running high. Let me give you another example. So that's legislative combat. All right. Legislative betrayal. I mentioned that as well at the beginning of the show here. You have been covering this bill that has to do with uh, transgender athletes in schools around Texas. And that committee handling it in the House, uh, the Public Education Committee, they held a vote on that earlier in the week, and it didn't pass. Right? It didn't. It didn't. It fell one vote short of being able to pass that bill out. Some folks were wondering how that works. Um, A legislative committee has to have a quorum uh, present to start their meeting, uh, but... That's not the same threshold for passage of the bill. It has to get a majority of the entire committee, okay? So so it's a little tricky. Um, another vote was held. Uh, folks thought it was dead, but as you tweeted out, um, ain't nothing dead in the legislature until signy die, right? I mean, the, lots of things can happen. Um, here's the deal. The uh, chairman, Harold Dutton Jr. from Houston, was upset last night because one of his priority bills— was uh, basically attacked by some members of the committee. Uh, One of his bills has to do with making it easier for the state to take over certain school districts, in particular the Houston Independent School District. That is a whole big mess, and we could do a whole show just about that. There's a whole drama around there that if you're not in (laughs) Houston, you probably don't want to get into the weeds of. (laughs) Right, but uh, our listeners in Houston are well aware of it. Well, that bill was uh, taken out uh, by one of the members of the committee on the House floor, Chairman Dutton started to say, well, then you know what? Those of you who are against this ban on the transgender athletes in uh, public schools, we're going to vote on that bill again. And so he did this morning at 9 a.m. in the committee. He held a vote on that. Uh, Representative Mary Gonzalez from El Paso County. She's from uh, Clint, Texas. She said the vote was shameful. And and listen to this. The audio uh, from this isn't that great. But listen to what she had to say about it uh, as they were getting ready to take that second vote on SB 29. I think it's important to know that there, because there are rules and we have an agency that has rules and there hasn't been a problem putting it in statute, there's a potential for it getting worse is the harm, right? Like, I don't want to say like, I, I respect what, all the work that y'all have been trying to do, but there is no need for it to be in statute and the harm could be exasperated. And even the discourse creates a climate and environment for young kids in which they feel worse about themselves and it contributes to their mental health, their anxiety, and their depression, which the ultimate consequence of that is suicide. And I think that we can, oh, I don't want to, I don't think we should just wave it off. But we're just codifying rules. That is not what we're doing here today. We are continuing a discourse that makes kids feel less than themselves. Real legislative whiplash on this one, right, Jeremy? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it was interesting because even when Dutton went to go uh, vote, you know, when he, you know, they were about to vote on the bill, uh, mm-hmm. he ends up like even saying that, you know, referencing that bill that of that unrelated bill that mm-hmm. had been killed the night before or seemingly killed. Yeah. Uh, he ends up saying uh, that as a con- so as a consequence, he moves Senate Bill 29 to pass. You know, mm-hmm. it's like he literally is telling everybody in the world that because of what happened yesterday, I am pushing this bill that I didn't support three days ago. <laughs> right. Well, and uh, some of the other members of the committee were accusing him of straight up retribution. By saying that, he's just saying that that's what it is. Yeah. Right. That you yep. killed my bill. Now yep. I'm going to pass this other one that you it don't like. Sounds like retribution mm-hmm. if you're in that audience listening to that. Yeah, man. Oh, man. So those things uh, may have been unexpected. Those those details uh, and those developments uh, overnight and early this morning. Uh, one thing that we knew was absolutely on track for a House debate was this big voting rights fight. Let's get into that. I got the racists in the back, supremacists attached, target in the blacks with suppression built to match. Riding on my horse, uh, white sheets on, of course. Change the code to take your vote, and you know it will enforce. Now, can nobody tell me nothing? As the debate was about to start in the House, that song was being uh, promoted online. An artist in Austin put it together. The video is a little over the top. They've got uh, Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick as cartoon characters in the music video, and they're wearing clan hoods and all this. You know that the detractors of this legislation have said over and over again, this is taking us back to the Jim Crow era. There are some folks in the Democratic Party, not many, who would say that that rhetoric might be over the top and not exactly descriptive of what's really in the legislation. Uh, certainly Republicans would disagree with that characterization that it's that it's like Jim Crow. Um, but this is a hard-fought deal uh, for a, mul- a multitude of reasons. The first thing that Democrats say about this, Jeremy, is that it's all based on a lie. The, yeah. the, the, fact, that, the fact that we're even talking about this uh, is fundamentally based on something that's not true, which we've talked about ad nauseum here. The idea that somehow President Trump was cheated out of the election last year, which he was at Mar-a-Lago just a few days ago, once again, giving a speech to some people there. I think they were having a wedding or something. Yeah, he just Did you see that? crushed a wedding. You know, he's, yeah, That's where he, he is now you know, at this point. And he went from the White House, the Oval Office, to now just crashing people's weddings and just yeah. throwing in a, a few a few comments here and there. But it's the exact same speech. He says, hey, we're watching what's happening in Arizona. We're going to be yeah. watching uh, Wisconsin, Florida, all these other stuff. We're going to watch everything, uh, Georgia, everywhere, to make sure that uh, this election was not stolen because you and I both know that this was a rigged election. That's pretty close to a direct quote. Um, Senate Bill 7 was on the Texas House floor overnight, as I mentioned, uh, Thursday into Friday morning, and that's why I'm so bleary-eyed and maybe not making a ton of sense. So instead of listening to me, I'll let you listen to some of the debate here. Um, Chairman Briscoe Kane heads up the Elections Committee, which has been an interesting committee to watch in the Texas House. They've had um, some things that will end up on the blooper reel, Uh, as far as the way they handled the vote on Senate Bill 7, which got it to the floor eventually. Here's Chairman Kane, Republican from Deer Park in the Houston area, starting the debate, which went on for hours. 
Mr. Speaker, members, in Article 6, Section 4 of the Texas Constitution, the people of Texas delegated their constitutional authority to the legislature to make all laws necessary to detect and punish fraud and preserve the purity of the ballot box. And the legislature shall provide by law for the regulation of all voters. House Bill 6, also known as Election Integrity Protection Act of 2021, or Senate Bill 7, now also known as the Election Integrity Protection Act of 2021, contains six articles. Article 1 of this bill provides that the purpose of this bill is to exercise the legislature's constitutional authority. Section 1.03, Subdivision 3, says that reforms are needed to the election laws of this state to ensure that fraud does not undermine the public confidence in the electoral process. So as he's getting going, there are Democrats lining up at the other microphone in the Texas House. He's at the front mic, and they are at the back mic. And if you ever watch legislative proceedings, it's fun to watch these folks gather around the microphones and get ready to deliver their commentary, right? You can see, you can feel the angst, the tension building. Um, first Democrat out of the gate to take him on was Representative Jessica Gonzalez. Interesting. She is also the vice chair of that same committee, of the elections committee, right? Uh, and here was part of her questioning of Chairman Kane. Uh, Mr. Kane, uh, why did you file this bill again? Well, I, I, I filed this bill to, you know, ensure that we have an equal and, and uniform um, application of our election code and to, and to protect people from being taken advantage of. And, and, and what is your main purpose behind this bill? Well, the, the main purpose of this bill is to protect every single voter in Texas. Uh, was there a specific incident, event, or a crime that you, that you witnessed um, in your time as a candidate or a voter? that prompted for you to file this bill? No, ma'am. But I believe that, that all voters deserve to have their right to vote to be protected. A Representative Gonzalez wanted to know if there were any examples of fraud anywhere in the great state of Texas during the 2020 election. In the time that we, the hours we spent in elections committee, did anybody give a, an actual example of these things occurring in the state of Texas to warrant this bill? Um, I believe there was a lot of people in testimony that gave e examples of things. Like examples that were, that were, that had data behind them, actual data, not just something that they heard. Okay, well, I think we observed witnesses talking about how they themselves were excluded um, from places that they were, you know, duly appointed uh, to be watchers at, yes. Based on credible data based on actual well, they, facts they can point to. When they filled out their witness affirmation form, they took a, a sworn oath under, under penalty of perjury, so I think I would trust what they had to say. You heard that, Jeremy. There were examples of things. Yeah, which, right? <laughs> which should be kind of how we start you know, all of our podcasts. Like, here are examples of things. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was trying to do at the beginning of the show. You know, it's just like there's examples of things like betrayal and combat and all of this. You're hearing the whole thing. Gonzalez wanted to know if Chairman Kane agreed with the Republican Secretary of State's office in their assessment that the 2020 election in Texas was clean. Do you agree with the Secretary of State uh, when they testified in, in our committee um, that we have free, fair, and safe elections. I, mean, I think the, the goal is to have free, fair, and safe elections. I'm sorry? I mean, that, that is the purpose, and that's exactly what this bill seeks to do. No, I, I said, do you agree with me? Because the Secretary of State's office testified before our committee that very first day 
and the Secretary of State said that the 2020 elections was free, fair, safe, and secure. Do you not agree with that, with, with, the, with what the Secretary of State said? I, I, I think that, that that's her opinion. Sure. Sure. All right. So Dallas Representative Rafael Anchia, another Democrat, wanted to know why a certain word was used in the legislation. That word that appeared uh, more than once uh, is the word purity, purity of the ballot box. And this gets down to the heart of the issue. Okay, listen to this. What was your motivation for using that term purity at the ballot box? Because that's a specific set of words that has a lot of meaning in state history. You know, you you may have figured it out by now. I really like the the state constitution, and and I think um, as a legislative body, just as Congress should, they should be looking for their authority from, from their charter, from the thing that gives them power. And so when we're looking at what authorizes us, right, the sovereign people of the state of Texas who who delegated their authority to the, through the Constitution, we then should look to the Constitution and say, what gives us authority to do anything on this issue? And, and that's the provision that, that does that, and so that would be why. Did you look at, at, at the history before using that word? No, no. The only thing, if we were to have a, a discussion, maybe over some coffee or a drink, someone that could go into the details of, of Article One really well. Um, I've read the debates in the journals of the Convention of 1875 on that, for, for that thing, but I'm not familiar with the... You may, you may have missed it then, uh, uh, and, and this would have been very obvious, I think, to anybody who looked at that and looked at that language. And that provision was drafted specifically to disenfranchise black people, mm. black voters, in fact, following the Civil War. Did you know that? No, that's, that's, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. He's sorry to hear that. Um, he did agree that if uh, the Democrats objected to the word purity being in the legislation that he would take that word out and call it integrity instead or whatever else, or maybe just leave all that uh, out. Um, but whatever you want to call it, um, it is again, and you know, this, this might be, uh, Democrats being too clever. If they take purity out and, and replace it with integrity, then it goes right back to the fact that all of this is based on something that's made up. If I wrote a story, as you, as you pointed out, we could on the podcast just say, here are examples of things, but not really say what they are. Yeah. And, and then um, if I put it in a news story that here are some examples of things and not say what they are, uh, use descriptors like integrity uh, when integrity um, is already in the system, as the lieutenant governor has said. We've increased turnout in Texas and secured the ballot box. It's already been done. If I put all that into a podcast or a news story, and left it at that, uh, I, we'd be accused of fake news, right? But let me tell you something. These laws are not fake when they pass them, right? The legislature never does anything that is meaningless. That is yeah. what the interpretation of the courts will be. When you listen to the Democrats lay their arguments out on these things, and, and Chia talks about the past history of racial discrimination in Texas, and he and Gonzalez and others bring up the fact that Texas has on multiple occasions – and not decades and decades ago, but in the last couple of decades, has been found by federal courts to have done things that are racially discriminatory when it comes to the way that we vote in this state, when it comes to the uh, maps that have been drawn uh, for representation in the state legislature, and in, our, in our congressional delegation. Um, those things are setting a new court record. Those 
commentary, that all that commentary you're hearing on the House floor is setting the next court record for the next federal challenge to Texas election law, which is going to come after they pass this. And I'll say one other thing. I was watching this debate on the House floor uh, at 2.30 in the morning when they finally wrapped this up, and Democrats and Republicans came together to make some changes to this legislation. Um, without objection from either side, no Republicans or Democrats were um, standing in the way as multiple amendments were added to this bill in the middle of the night, which, by the way, is why it's key to have a free press there at the Capitol. Yeah. Okay. I just want to, I'm, I'm not going to preach about that, but you should know that. Um, watching this so you don't have to at 2.30 in the morning. Um, it's responsible legislating for members of both parties to try to improve a bill, even if they're not going to vote for it on final passage. Um, the Democrats want to make it be not so bad. So they worked with Republicans throughout the night to try to uh, take out some of the things that they find objectionable, even if they're not going to vote for it on final passage, because when it comes to the final vote on this, that is when they make the big declaration about their values and about the people they represent, because Democrats at large are against this. Republicans at large are for it. And even though they might compromise on some of the details, Jeremy, at the end of the day, it's a house divided. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 that's a great po- you know point to be able to you know remind people that you know sure this bill passed you know the Texas House today, uh, but now it it goes back to the Senate. Is this is a heavily amended bill? Uh, a lot of what the Senate originally wanted is not in this bill, uh, so now it goes back over to the Senate. Uh, they're not going to agree to this. We know that already. Uh, they're going to have to set up a conference committee that kind of works on all the details of trying mm-hmm. to get these two bills to look similar enough so that they can pass one bill out. So we still have some time to go in this mm-hmm. process. You know, this thing is, you know, far from, you know, over at this point. So, you know, you know obviously stay tuned for the next couple of weeks to see how this thing gets reinvented uh, and what provisions get in there? Like the one thing that's not in this, you know, this new version of Senate Bill Seven mm-hmm. are those restrictions on twenty-four hour voting, those you know restrictions on drive-through voting, uh, all those elements that really had you know people like Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick really upset with Harris County, which was you know a home base for a lot of these types of issues. So those things aren't in the bill right now. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how the Senate and the House kind of negotiate those things out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, I was asked yesterday, uh, politically, what do Republicans really need to have in this legislation such that they would call it a success, that, that, that they would call it, quote unquote, election integrity? My answer would be almost anything that would get Lena Hidalgo and Sylvester Turner to have a press conference against it. Yeah. Right. That's okay. a good that, point. They're, they're um, just completely at odds uh, over this whole thing. Um, and it's also worth saying that these details were ironed out in the middle of the night. The conference committee you're talking about will be done behind closed doors. So we will do our best to try to track exactly what ends up in this legislation because it is so important. Um, here's another one that was really contentious. This is why I'm just beat down here on Friday. Um, all of this happening this week. Um, the big abortion bill of the session has to do with creating causes of action so that just about anybody in Texas can sue a doctor if they provide an abortion uh, and the person suing believes that it was done illegally um, under the state's new six-week ban if it, if it becomes uh, law. Right now we have a 20-week ban in Texas. Um, this bill is hard to explain to, to folks, Jeremy, because it's not just a straight-up ban on 
uh, abortions at six weeks. It's a little Correct. more clever. Th- it's a little more clever than that, right? Um, the Senate author of this, Brian Hughes, who's just having a dynamite session, he is carrying a lot of legislation uh, that is uh, the red meat stuff. Um, the Senate author was creating new reasons for you to sue uh, yeah. a doctor. I'm old enough to remember when suing doctors in Texas was being made more illegal rather than more legal, right? It's called tort reform over the past 30, 35 years or whatever it is. Um, Shelby Slauson is a state representative uh, from what, what, what part of Texas do you call that? Stephenville area is um, it's kind of like North central Texas. It's, South, it's kind of south and west of Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah. I struggle with what – and, you know, I asked somebody who used to uh, work for a, uh, a lawmaker from that area, what part of that – what part of the state is that? It's not the heart of Texas because that's over in Waco <laughs> yeah. area. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, interesting I bring up a heart because they call this the heartbeat bill. Even though it's not – if you read the legislation, you look at what they're doing, it's not really that because what you'll hear over and over again here from Slauson – who, again, is a freshman Republican. Slauson says that if a heartbeat can be detected you know, with the fetus, then the abortion's illegal. And so somebody can sue the doctor over it. This is Donna Howard, who's a senior Democrat from Austin. And she's questioning Slauson about the medical specifics of this, which you would think would be important when you're talking about a medical procedure. Can you tell me your own interpretation of the timeline in which a woman can determine that she is pregnant? Representative, this bill would ban an abortion once a heartbeat is detected. I understand that. I'm asking you, though, about, what, about the timeline. Because you're, 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 you're giving us a period of time within in, in this bill, are you not? The, the timeline is when the heartbeat is detected. Okay. All right, so you get the idea there. Medical specifics don't seem to be all that important as, as they move through this debate. Uh, Slauson, who is a lawyer by trade, a litigator, uh, she thinks some of these questions should be deferred to someone else. Listen closely, Jeremy, about who Slauson thinks ought to be fielding questions about medical issues. Do you know when... Oh, when you actually become pregnant. Do you become pregnant during your period? Well, that perhaps might be a question better directed to a physician. Uh, I would imagine that most women know that you don't get pregnant during your period, correct? You know that you don't get pregnant during your period, don't you? I would defer to a physician to answer that question, Representative. So this piece of legislation that targets doctors, you know, with with the possibility of lawsuits for having performed an abortion that someone somewhere in some county that's nowhere close to you, because by the way, this gives standing to people anywhere in Texas to if if someone has an abortion in Travis County, where where we are here in Austin, and, and there's somebody in Harris County, and I could guess some of their names, if there's someone in Harris County who feels that that abortion was done illegally, they in Harris County could sue the person, the doctor in Travis County over having done an abortion that they deemed to be illegal under what's laid out in this piece of legislation, the heartbeat bill or the, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the six week ban. Uh, and 
Howard there was trying to determine the exact timeline for all of this. Uh, but this is another one of these pieces of legislation that probably is going to pass and be on, you know, eventually pass and be on Governor Abbott's desk and everything like that. One of the things I would say about a lot of these very important um, pieces of legislation, especially to conservative primary voters in Texas, it's basically set up right now, Jeremy, in this legislative session that even if these bills don't become Texas law, because not all of them have a completely clear path to that right now at this point, I think it's fair. Every one of these Republican legislators has already voted yes for it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. in their primaries, they can say, I voted for the most pro-life thing. I voted for the most pro-gun thing. I voted for election integrity and all these other things. And this is something I've been saying for a little while here. And just today, the Texas House Republican Caucus put out a statement saying that the last 48 hours were the most conservative two days in the history of the Texas House. And they just listed you know, with checkboxes all the things that I just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see that. Uh, how do you get to the right of any of these people in a primary? Uh, at this point, they all have some sort of protection. Even the constitutional carry bill, the permitless carry bill, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. is like you got every Texas Republican senator got to be on record in some form of supporting it, uh, even if it doesn't pass in the end. Even if something happens where it gets derailed, mm -hmm. they're now all covered. Nobody can say, but you did not stand up for you know permitless carry and they go oh yeah i did i voted for it so here you go and it's like and so so they're all get get that you know that red meat protection zone around them as they <laughs> head for you know november when you mm -hmm. have to start you know filing to to get on the ballot next year yeah you know one of the things that's going to complicate these primaries for republicans and democrats too uh, but particularly for uh, Republicans who will be in very different districts that will be optimized for a conservative Republican base uh, is that some of that, you know, I mean, they'll be up against the filing deadline uh, coming up in December for running for reelection or maybe running for something else. They'll be up against that as they're drawing the districts yeah. late in the fall. Right. So they, they want to have all this stuff in the bag now in the holster if you will. As if it wasn't emotional enough at the legislature, we had this as well. Um, Republican Representative Dan Huberty coming to grips with his alcoholism and very publicly. Um, it was in the Houston Chronicle uh, that Huberty had been arrested in Montgomery County uh, up in Porter, Texas, yep. or in that area. It's a small, small uh, community there. Um, he was uh, allegedly driving drunk. Uh, he admits that he has a problem, so we can just talk about it that way. Um, he basically ran his Corvette up underneath a, an SUV. It's surprising that nobody got hurt really badly, uh, maybe some minor uh, scrapes and bruises. Um, but Huberty, he addressed this directly and very publicly on the Texas House floor, talking about the fact that it's a huge problem for him. And not just personally, he's also very apologetic to all the people he'll, he, that he deals with in public all the time. My name is Dan, and I'm an alcoholic. My father taught me to be honest and take responsibility for my actions. So I stand here before you today to begin this process. On April 23rd, I was involved in a motor vehicle accident while driving under the influence. Thankfully, no one was hurt. I want to first apologize to the occupants in the vehicle. I wanted to next apologize to my wife, Janet, my children, my friends, my company, 
and my Capitol staff for the embarrassment I've caused them. I want to apologize to my constituents as they entrusted me to represent them here in the Texas House. Finally, I want to apologize to each and every one of you. The institution of the Texas House, the Senate, the Lieutenant Governor, the Speaker, and the Governor for my actions. I have had a problem with alcohol for my entire adult life. While I've been sober for 23 out of the last 30 years, it became clear to me in the last several months that I desperately needed help. I was embarrassed to ask and candidly did not know how to get the help that I needed. You know, I don't know how this plays politically at all. I've been thinking about that. Um, You know, Huberty, it's not the first time that he has dealt publicly with um, drinking in public. You might remember in 2015, uh, there were some folks who were surreptitiously recording uh, and videotaping people uh, in and around the Texas Capitol building. Huberty was one of them, and he was clearly intoxicated one evening uh, near the Texas House floor, uh, and he was pretty combative with this guy who was filming him. Um, and I think in his next primary election after that, Jeremy, he still won with like 80%. Yeah. People didn't care, right? Now, driving drunk is a different thing, and that's going to be dealt with in the court system, of course. Um, but, and I don't even have all that much to say about it other than this, just that tackling it publicly that way. Um, I think there's a certain level of uh, bravery that people uh, will respect uh, because you just don't see that, right? And, and, and I did see some folks say, well, you know, of course, now he's sorry that he got caught. But that's what happens with people who have a problem, right? It's not They don't really acknowledge it publicly or even to their own family sometimes until whatever the thing is that's the problem causes uh, something that is undeniable that they either get arrested or they hurt somebody or almost really physically hurt somebody. Uh, and at that point, it can be what they call the come to Jesus moment, right? Yeah, and, and absolutely. And, and, the, and the, it's amazing here we are. We're still talking about like this idea that like if you've had too much to drink, you just – why do you get behind a wheel? It's like, I'm never going to understand that. It's like, it's one of those things where like in the age of Uber and taxis and like, you you just got to find another Mm -hmm. way. It's like, I don't care if you're elected official or not. It's like, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, that's the thing that disturbs you most about the whole thing. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you know, I I understand people having a problem with alcohol, but boy, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it should be ingrained in everybody, you know, in every family, you know, you tell your kids, if you ever have too much to drink, it's like, don't try to drive home. You know, it's like, find another way. The Uber ride will always be cheaper than a ride to the jail. There's no doubt about that. Um, Governor Abbott still on his sort of, I don't know if it's quixotic, but there's definitely um, thoughts of, higher office for Governor Abbott, right? I mean, you you watched last week when he was at that town hall in Florida with Ron DeSantis, who seems to be, I don't know if they're rivals at this point, but um, it doesn't take long for whatever DeSantis does in Florida to be echoed in Austin, in, yeah. in Texas. I, I um, think Ron DeSantis has become a measuring stick for other governors mm-hmm. if they have national ambitions right well the, now. yeah the conservative base just loves ron DeSantis, and yep. you see a lot of republican activists in texas they're always saying things like man wouldn't it be great to have ron DeSantis as our governor which you know maybe get, getting ahead of themselves with that um abbott once again uh was talking about border security now as you mentioned uh before we uh started the show uh when we were off the air as they say 
This is an issue that Abbott should be, as a Republican governor, nationally, it should be something he's able to really capitalize on because he's the border state governor who's a Republican and, you know, is is leading the state with the most border with Mexico. Yep. Right. And is incurring the most public cost. Right. Uh, I mean, it's a choice that's made by the Texas legislature at the urging of former Governor Perry and now Governor Abbott. But here's Abbott talking in an exclusive one-on-one with Fox News, because, of course, uh, about this issue of Texas spending right now, every two years, $800 million on border security. Our state legislature, uh, they allocate about $800 million uh, every two years for the state to pay for this. This year, because of the extended time that we will have the National Guard on the border, it likely will clearly exceed a billion dollars for the state to have to secure the United States of America. So here's our goal. We're paying for this. Uh, But I want to have Texas secure the border and have the Biden administration pay for it. This sounds sort of familiar to me for some reason, Jeremy. You know what it sounds like? (laughs) Do you have any idea where I'm about about to go with this? Um, Do you remember candidate Donald J. Trump saying that he would secure the border and he would make someone else pay for it? The former president uh, of Mexico, Vicente Fox, he said today, and I'm quoting him, he said, I'm not going to pay for that, quote, effing wall. (laughs) So if you don't uh, get an actual check from the Mexican government for eight or 10 or $12 billion, whatever it will cost, how are you going to make them pay for the wall? I will, and the wall just got 10 feet taller, believe me. It doesn't matter how stupid the answer is. You hear the crowd there? Yep. The, the crowd is the Republican primary voter. That's who shows up for one of those debates. That was Wolf Blitzer, uh, CNN, as they were uh, grilling the Republican candidates at the time. I think in that exchange, there were, there were still 12 people running on the Republican side. There's a wide open primary yep. back in 2016. I can 2016. see the stage in my head. <laughs> yeah, all those guys up there, you know, Ted Cruz and everybody else. The one who would get the biggest applause is the one talking that way about border security. And it doesn't matter uh, what other issues come up. Uh, think about the things we've been talking about during this program. Guns, abortion, um, defunding the police, all this, all this stuff. It has been consistent for at least, I think about at least 15 years, that if someone can find the right message on immigration and border security, the Republican base loves it. it it is it is so it's the level of outrage never changes jeremy they're always pissed as possible yeah and, and and it has to be a level of machismo to it in the republican party right you can see it's just like you know i'm gonna make them pay for the wall or you know it's like we're gonna send more you know police to the border you know it's like you know they get abbott's you know as he talks about this just remember you know the border patrol has so many people on the border right now it's like if you've ever driven around you know uh harlingen or uh you know around laredo it's like mm-hmm. you can't go for more than a couple minutes without seeing a border patrol truck it's impossible uh they're just lined up everywhere so you know it's like you know he's got to talk tough about the border you know mm-hmm. like we talked about like you look at the other governors along the you know the u.s border with mexico it's like he like you got gavin newsom in you know in california democrat mm-hmm. new mexico democrat you know it's just like and so you know abbott has a potential of being a voice 
you know, to, you know, to a leading voice on this issue if he can get the right message out there. And I think he's looking for that zone where he can be that tough guy, tough stance against the border mm-hmm. uh, and really knock the socks off the rest of the Democratic or the rest of the Republican, you know, field out there. Yeah, I think he's going to keep on floating those trial balloons while the legislature continues to go through the rest of the session here. 24 days left uh, as they tackle all these uh, issues important and maybe not so important in in the estimation. of It depends on who you ask, (laughs) right? All right, if you enjoy the show, you know you do. You should subscribe to it and give us the best rating that you can. We appreciate it. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you listen to your favorite podcasts. We don't judge you. Subscribe to quorumreport.com and houstonchronicle.com, and we will be back here next week to do it again.